Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Okay, y'all, we have some exciting news. So if you want to dive deeper into the ways that the conversations and topics that Danae and I are always talking about and having can impact your evolution and growth personally, then you should join us in Nosara, Costa Rica at Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort, June 3rd through 10th for our upcoming intensive retreat, which we're calling Reclaiming Audacity. Yes, we are joining forces with two of our colleagues, Millie Murillo and Ashley Torrent, to create a week full of transformational healing by exploring the narratives that have shaped our current perspectives, challenge some of the limiting ways of being, and discover tools for integrating spiritual perspectives with the struggles we will inevitably face in our day-to-day lives. So if you'd like some more information, you can head to the link in either of our social bios or head to Vanessa's website underneath retreats for some more details. Hope we see you guys in Costa Rica. Yeah. And there are payment plans available. So make sure you email me or DM me if you have any questions. See y'all in the jungle. Here we are. Another Q&A. Danae and I sit here and we sift through all the questions, which are so good. And another we... day, another Q&A. Another day, another Dalla. I wish it was a Dalla. No. Q&A. Okay. <laughs> How do we respond to this? So The question is, my partner just decided to leave, but did so in a very distasteful way by breaking me down in the process. And we're five months away from our wedding date. He says he wants to be with me, but I've reached this point where when things get hard, his only option is to leave and walk away. 
I think I've reached a point that if he says he'll be better off without me, I'm at peace with it. I do feel extremely disappointed and hurt in myself for not seeing the red flags sooner, especially when it was always so easy for him to walk away and I'd be the one wanting to fight and work on things. Now that he's realized the seriousness and consequences of his words and actions, he's wanting to fight for it. Am I wrong for feeling okay with us going our separate ways? I'm just afraid that I'm holding on to hope that it'll get better, but it never will. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, hard one to be sitting in the space of that um, relational challenge. I think that's hard. Yeah, I think it's it's hard because what we're talking about is cyclical patterns that start to come up in relationships. And I think it becomes really difficult for people to interrupt their own patterns unless something comes into play that sort of forces that pattern interruption. So it's sort of like inertia, the way that things have been going become the way that things continue to go until something substantial comes and like, like interrupts that pattern. So I'm saying that to say, you know, a lot of times, even with our best intentions, until we get to the root of why we're behaving the way we're behaving. And I think something like the avoidant tendencies that she's describing in this partner, um, there's a reason that he pulls Mm -hmm. away and it's a dance between the two of them. I don't think it's, um, you know, it's ever one person that is responsible for the dance as much as like, you know, my heart, like I really feel that in my body when she talks about it being a few months before her wedding and um, him pulling away, that's unbelievably painful and, and disorienting and destabilizing Mm -hmm. um, to her, I think on a nervous system level. And that needs to be taken into account really in the decision about what to do. But I think even with his best intentions, even if he feels like this is something I really want to change. I don't think until there's a substantial amount of space and distance and time to really process what is this behavior pattern about for me, he even really has the ability to make that change in a substantial way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's hard to know without going deeper, like what, what is the level of awareness that the partner has, right? Like, is he in therapy? Is he doing this kind of work where he's trying to uncover the reasons for his actions, right? Like what is the motivating kind of factor here? Um, if, if we don't know that, if we just continue to react, then it will continue to happen, right? The pattern will continue to happen, like you said, until there's some kind of interruption. And so I do want to address her asking, is there something wrong with the fact that she's like almost in a state of acceptance at this point? Like, of course she's hurt, but she feels in a state of acceptance and no, there's something wrong with that. I mean, I think when somebody continues to, and again, like you said, there's two people in this, right? It always takes two to tango. But when we're in the state of something happening over and over and over again, and it not really feeling like there's not necessarily resolution, but even just some shift, some kind of movement towards a resolution, um, we do wall off. We do protect ourselves. We do come to the conclusion. We do accept things as they are. And I don't think there's anything wrong with coming to a state of acceptance of this is the space that we're in. Like, this is the dynamic that we're in. This is the capacity that my partner has. I don't look at that as giving up. I think, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. I think so many times we stay in relationships far longer than we probably should because we're constantly in a state of like, well, if I do this, then maybe they'll do that. Or like they can just work on this or they can just fix that. Right. And we're so, so often we're not present with the person who is standing in front of us. 
And, you know, it's like what Oprah says about believe somebody the first time they tell you who they are, right? We, Maya yeah. for the record. Oh, sorry. That's what I meant. <laughs> sorry. Um, We've got to give Maya her due. That's right. That is Maya. Um, well, and you and I were having a separate conversation before we were recording about this idea of, of really seeing people for their potential, right? Mm. And many times, and I don't, I mean, I know you think it is like a more of a woman kind of thing to do, but I, I think a lot of us do this. I think a lot of us get into the space of falling in love with people um, for their potential when they're at their best self. And there's nothing wrong with seeing somebody in their best self and loving that. But can you also love somebody when they're not? And um, if when somebody is quote unquote, not in their best self, if that is more of the reality of their day to day, and that's the dynamic that you two are in, you're not actually engaging with their quote unquote highest self all the time. You know, you're engaging with their more human side. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like a woman quality, but like the feminine energetic of like constantly believing that there will be and should be expansion and growth and life force in relationships. But a lot of times the more masculine energy within all of us is the like the steadfast, the structural, the like, this is what this is. This is the stability that I can count on. And so I think that the more feminine aspect of us as women, a lot of times sees the potential of where someone could go and where this could, you know, if they could just get this thing together. Um, but, you know, as I think you were speaking to before, that's not really present centered energy. That's sort of living in the space of, you know, I, I don't want to say like, fantasy, but like, I am sort of fantasizing about what this could be someday if this person becomes someone who in this moment, they are not. And I think if we continue it, the conversation and the concept of, you know, some of the masculine and feminine energetics, when this person is in their wounded masculine armor of pulling away from me of being in the space of avoidance, what that will inevitably do is create a polarizing effect in me which will be my wounded feminine energy of wanting to cling, of being sort of desperate and needy and the work when I'm in that space, because I'm only able to control myself is for me to move into my own healthy masculine energy, which means that I have to become my own fierce protector. And I wouldn't say walling off. I would say like really being boundaried mm. and really clear with my intentions for what I want for my life. And I can't put that on that other person. Um, I have to take responsibility of taking care of myself in that way. And, you know, when you were reading the question, she said something about like, he always has done this. This has always been the pattern. And a lot of that has been because you have always allowed that to be the pattern and not sort of um, been in that clear, intentional no of what I, I'm just not interested in relationally. And so, yes, I think the only way the pattern ever changes is if you have an expectation for what someone needs to show you for you to be interested in um, being in relationship with them. And I want to be really clear as I say that a lot of times the way that is interpreted when I say something like that is saying to that person, here's what you need to do yeah. for me to be interested in being in a relationship with you. Yeah. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I am saying you need to sit back and allow that person to show you who they are and not like um, something that you know, I, I want to name because I think that it, it matters. Mm. Um, calling off a wedding five months before the wedding is 
is something that will live in that relationship and the energy between them for a while. And so I don't think we can just pretend that didn't happen because if they were to get married, that would be the type of thing that I was hurt by. And I like it continuously comes up and it has a ripple. But I think if that person doesn't have a really deep integrated sense of why I would do something that hurtful to someone I love, then I would have a little bit of pause about jumping right back into the dynamic and letting things pick up where they had been. I have nothing to add. I feel like you just answered that so eloquently, so beautifully. Well, I'm going to read another question only because it does feel like a similar conversation. So wondering if you have um, a podcast or some sort of guidance in regards to what to do when you start to realize that you're unsure if you want to stay married. I've been struggling to understand my own emotions to why I feel this way. To some degree, I know where it stems from, our issues that keep arising with our communication. He's finally accepted and decided to work on the things that I've said I feel keep us at a distance, but for some reason, I still feel really unsure. It's hard to explain, but I love him, but I think a lot about what life would be like on my own. Here's the the big caveat. We've been together since the age of 14, and now we're both 25. Babies. (laughs) I'm like, well, they're babies. I know. Um, but I mean, that's, that is a really important component to this. I don't think one that I don't say important component as in like, we can brush it off as silly. I think there's, there's Saturn return and all kinds of things that happen at the age of 25. There's quarter life crisis to talk about, right? There's all kinds of huge components to that time period in your life. I don't think it's, you know, she's like, is it wrong of me to be thinking about what my life would be like without him? No, of course absolutely not. not. You've never known anything yeah. else. I'd be concerned if you weren't. Right. I mean, at that, yeah, 10 years and you're 25. Like, yeah, I would be concerned if you weren't contemplating life without this person. And to your point, that's a really developmentally appropriate stage for you to be, you know, you're entering the process of individuation. She's not even there. She's still like five years away from like entering the process. She's not, um, you know, there's a lot about who she is going to be that is going to continue to evolve and shift. So of course it feels that way, I guess. Yeah. And it's not to say that you can't do that work side by side with a partner, right? Like I've seen it happen and it is possible. Um, but it's number one, just to normalize, no, it's nothing's wrong with you that you're thinking that way. Um, I also think that for many of us, and I don't know, I'll be curious to know what your thoughts are on this, but because I, I keep hearing pushbacks, I think, out there in the in the landscape around how our our society is very like quick to um to like throw in the towel. Like we don't want to do the work anymore on relationships. And I I hold that, I hear that, and I and I hold that and also um I challenge it, right? Because I think so much of what you and I talk about is this this idea that we have that we are lesser than if we're not partnered, right? That we somehow it's a measure of a successful life to stay in a relationship, regardless of if that relationship is fulfilling or not. Um, that longevity is more important than fulfillment, right? In a relationship. And so I just, I offer that to this, to this listener, to the person who's asking the question, because I do think it becomes a little important for us in this self-inquiry of like, what is my motivation to stay? Like, okay, I love him. Yes, there's many people in my life. I love everybody I've ever been in relationship with um, still, right? But I also knew that we were no longer in alignment. Like it was time for us to move on. And also 
that's not to say we're ending it now. We're never going to be in relationship again, ever and ever. Right. Um, I do think there's a lot of like definitive nature of the way we hold things. Like it's either going to be all right now or it's not going to be ever period. Right. It's very black and white. And, um, why, why do we need to be in that, in that space? Like, why do we have to cling so tightly to like, it's got to make sense of it in this box where it's got to be nothing. Yeah, that's real. I think we live in such a like fear driven society, um, especially relationally that if I don't like continue to hold this thing in the way that I've held it, then it'll get away and I will be, mm. um, I will have lost something. And I would say what is meant to be in your life will not miss you. It will, um, circle back. If the two of you are meant to love one another and meant to be partnered, I believe you will find your way back to one another, but that's just the, the way that I hold what it is to love someone is a little bit like, I, I think we should hold what, um, hold love a little bit more like water, right? Like, well, what would it be like to hold those we love like water? So we hold them in our hands with like a sense of freedom, a sense of like them having an ability to breathe. And maybe we decide what that breath and what that space looks like. But I think when we attempt to grasp onto water, it slips through our fingertips anyway. Um, I think if there is a part of us that, or at least a part of me on the part of the person writing in that feels like, I am not able to expand in this container and breathe and become in a way that I am longing to. I think that if you don't allow space for that, then that will be attempting to grasp and hold on to something that needs some air to breathe clearly. And um, I think we have to ask the question, like, what is lost in the space? Mm -hmm. What is the fear around the space if we were to take some time apart? And you're right societally, we say, well, then that person will be hurt by that. And that person will um, maybe move on to someone else and I will lose them. And I would say it's all a part of the secret sauce of what makes up to me the fabric of our lives, right? If that person moves on to someone else, then if I love them and that person makes them happy, then that should make me thrilled for them. Um, Mm -hmm. If I, you know, if I feel like I change and we change and that's what I'm afraid of, that's going to happen. We're just mm-hmm. going to do it with a whole lot of resentment and angry, like bitter energy after we continue to let this play out. I think loving someone is wanting to show up as the highest version of myself to meet this person in the place that each of us long to be met. It's not um, holding on to this for dear life because I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't, you know? And a lot of us live in that space, but I would say even more so when it is the only thing you've ever known. Oof. Right. I mean, they've been together since they were 14. So for anybody out there who has been in a relationship since you were young, young like that, like an actual child, right. Um, there's going to be more fear there because you've never actually had to do it on your own, stand on your own two feet, not have that support system, not have that partnership, you know, whatever that's looked like for you. And so there's fear there. So we have to acknowledge that. We also have to, and this doesn't have anything to do with age. This is anybody who's in this kind of process. We have to sit with and acknowledge the grief that comes up, the grief around, this is not what my life is going to look like. Like I had an idea of what my life would look like, and that is not what it will look like. Right. And there is a lot of grief that we have to process in that. And, um, I do believe that for a lot of us, you know, it's like when we know, we know like when we're ready, we're ready. A lot of us will, will, take the action, take the step, like when it feels right in our bodies. And so, um, I actually think grief plays a part 
in that role, like in the catalyst of when you're considering like leaving or not leaving. Um, and so allow yourself to be in grief, allow yourself to experience the, the pain of that. Right. And allow your inner wisdom to kind of guide, like assuming this is not like an unhealthy, dangerous situation that you have to leave immediately, like allow your inner wisdom to guide the leaving the process of, of, um, uncoupling. Yeah. I mean, two things that come up as you're saying that I was thinking about what John often says about the promise being what we focus all of our energy on. And there's a a safety in the promise, but I think a lot of times there's a lack of presence in the promise, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lack of like truly showing up every day as if nothing is promised. And so a lot of times that's the challenge that I have with um, marriage and, you know, whatever that partnership container looks like is that I feel like a lot of times the promise leads to a lot of complacency and Mm -hmm. a lot of entitlement Mm -hmm. and us not really being present with the person in front of us. So there's that. But I also think there's the element you know, you always talk about like, what does that tangibly look like if I'm not ready to like jump and do the thing right now? I would say all the things that you are longing to do, maybe not, you know, being physically intimate with other people, if that's not within the the constructs of what the two of you have agreed upon, but all of the other life things that you're longing to do, if you were single, I would say, start doing them. If you're Mm -hmm. longing for more community or an expanded friend group or travel or, you know, activities and hobbies that you really feel turned on by, I would say just really start cultivating a deeper relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. and your relationship will either rise to that space of expansion and meet you there or I believe it will fall away as it is meant to. And you don't have to be in the space of like, I have to know and grasp to the, onto the knowing so much as like, mm. I trust that if I keep following the little bit of what feels like aliveness to me right now, that everything that is meant to fall into place will fall into place as it's supposed to, you know? Yeah. Amen. It's really good advice. All right, y'all until next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.